What's up? It's episode 60, Pain Points of Wealth, hard to believe we're 60 episodes in. And we've got late 90s stock market fever. Literally everything is going up right now. We've got a huge melt up. It's starting to look a lot like the late 90s when those internet stocks were just rocking. We're going to tell you why we think this is a lot like the late 90s, what you have to be careful about. There are bubbles forming, what you need to avoid in your portfolio, inflation. And on the tipping point today, we're going to talk about financial sabotage. What are you doing right now that's sabotaging your path to financial independence? Let's hop to it. Hit the music. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod, Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. Hey guys, we had a fantastic week last week with the market closing at all-time record highs. In almost every different indice, at 36,000 on the Dow, 4,700 on the S&P, 16,000 on the NASDAQ, and 2,400 on the Russell 2000. Now, I got a pop quiz for you guys. How many stocks do you think are traded in the Russell 2000? I think I have the answer to that, 2,000. Also, who's buried in Grant's tomb? Well, I don't know the answer to that, but the first one, you're right, Chris, it was 2,000, and that index alone was up 6% last week. You know, 6% is not a bad return for an annual number, but if I can get that every week... I might just take the rest of the year off. I have to say that in my career, and I've been doing this for over 20 years now, I've never seen a market like this. And Bob, or dad, I have to think this is what the late 90s looked like, where literally everything just went through the roof. You know, but we were just talking about the stock NVIDIA. It just went up 60% over how many months? <laughs> I mean... Four weeks. Four weeks. <laughs> that's like, that's unbelievable. So, I mean, I've never seen a market like this, but is this like the late 90s, I guess is the question. You know, Rye, every cycle in history, you have a bubble. This is very bubblicious if you want to use a term right now to define it. We have a bubble. It's clear. And I guess the big question for everybody's mind is, how can we have a bubble when everybody knows it's a bubble? Well, it is until it bursts. Meanwhile, there's too many dollars chasing the same themes. as disruption technology, cryptocurrency. Yeah, it's all going to find its place in the economy down the road. But there's lots of opportunity around the world and around the rest of the economy. I mean, the economy's reopening. You know, the infrastructure bill was passed. There's plenty of other companies that are selling at decent valuations where you're going to get a return on your money because it's a future returns based on valuation, not on based on what it's done in the past. Yeah, and this is what happens in the mind of the investor right now. It's like, well, I think these companies are going to grow faster than every other company. Well, they probably are, but the problem is the market's already pricing that in. So you start to see like Tesla is the perfect example, right? It trades at 150 times forward earnings. It's never really been trading on fundamentals. It's trading on this future belief of what it's going to do. And that's in the short term, you're going to say, well, I'm right because it's going higher and higher. But eventually we've learned this in the past over and over. And this is why it's like the late 90s. It's going to matter. And when it does matter, a lot of these stocks are just going to get hammered. You know, I'm starting to see this too with some of our clients, you know, as we're coming to the end of the year, guys, you know, we're doing things like Roth conversions, you know, we're taking capital gains. And a client of mine recently sent me one of their statements that Vanguard, their quote unquote cowboy account, and all the plays in this were all speculative tech plays. And guess what? You're not going to believe it. They're all down. You had companies like Peloton, right? I remember you were predicting that Peloton was overpriced. That's going to end up like every other piece of exercise equipment in history down in a basement or in the attic covered in dust. 
I mean, Peloton's earnings were awful the other day. The stock's dropping like a rock. Yeah, well, I think it's kind of symbolic, right? Peloton's down over 60% this year, but Planet Fitness, good old school, going to the gym is actually up over 20% this year. So yeah, that is playing out in the market already where a lot of those quote unquote disruptive technologies, work from home stocks, which we did a lot of podcasts on those earlier in the year, Bob, or last year, we made fun of how this isn't going to work out that well. And that's what we've seen, right? We've seen like really a lot of these trends are already starting to die off. And that's what the market's telling you is we are reopening. We are going out again. We're not going to be glued to our Zooms and all of our digital technologies like we were last year when we were all locked down. It's that simple. Dad, I did notice last time I was at Ryan's apartment last week that the Peloton's not there anymore. And when I went down the basement, it was sitting next to his Nordic track. I do all my work out in the basement, man. Come on. You know, I don't think the big news last week was the bond taper announcement from the Fed. Federal Reserve you know, did say they're going to keep interest rates low, I think, which was great news. But the bigger news, and I don't think it got as much press or as much of a headline as it should, was Pfizer came out with an antiviral pill, had 96% efficacy. So just think about this, guys. If this pill is as good as the trial, you're going to have a cure for COVID. That's a game changer. And the place you want to be is in the companies that benefit from the reopening of the economy, because this will keep everybody you know, this will take everybody busting out of their caves, getting back to work, getting back to living their life when there's no risk of dying from COVID. No, it's a good point. And I think that's just on top of all the other good news right now, right? We have companies, they're making bank, right? We know profits are extremely strong right now. Look at this third quarter earnings have just been through the roof. Next quarter earnings are going to be good again. We've got a hiring frenzy going on, right? Unemployment's coming down precipitously. Right, we have all these people have come off unemployment benefits. Now they're getting back in the workforce, and wages are going up. Like, what's better than that? You're getting a raise at work. You have more money to spend. And the Fed, we know they're not raising rates anytime soon. They're going to keep the party going. This is probably as good as it gets when it comes to the outlook for the economy, as far as I can see. Well, it's good news until the Fed meets again on December fifteenth, right? So we'll be on the edge of our chair, you know, to see what they come out with then. Because meanwhile. Inflation's real, right? Wholesale prices just went through the roof. We got the CPI, PPI numbers coming out this week. I think they're going to run hot. We're seeing inflation everywhere, and everybody seems to know it except for Jerome Powell and his colleagues at the Federal Reserve. And I think they're a little behind the curve right now. Well, you know, guys, I was talking to a client of mine. He ships a lot of things. Like, a big part of his business is, you know, he's got clients around the country and all of his products get shipped. And he actually had a big shipment that has to go out. He's got another one that's gone out in May. And the shipping company said they couldn't guarantee the price because they had to see where gas prices were at the time. So, you know, it's really becoming an issue. I mean, it's the cost of everything's going up and he has to pass that price on to his clients. Well, I think the one variable here is supply chains are getting better, right? I mean, you're not going to reopen the economy twice. (laughs) It's only going to happen once. So some of the supply chain issues will go away. That's actually true. And that actually is transitory. So everyone right now is all freaked out about the supply chains. But that, again, the market's already looking past that. The economy is already looking past that saying, hey, look, 12 months from now, we're going to have a lot better system in place than we do today. But the one problem we talk about this week after week is that wage pressure is going to be huge because unemployment numbers are going to keep coming down and you know it's going to be hard to find workers. And that's going to be with us for a very long time. And I think that's the reason that inflation is not transitory. It's just transitioning from supply chain issues to wage issues, which are going to be a long-term problem. Yeah, I think that was the one disappointing number that came out last week was the participation rate. You know, it wasn't up. It was actually disappointing. And you see the wages that are going up. You wonder what's going to tempt these folks to get off the sidelines and get back into the job game. I like a company car personally. So maybe you guys can think about that after a podcast. 
With your driving track record, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, Ryan, I did get dad's car payment information in the mail the other day. I don't know. I would check on that. I think the company might pay him for dad's car. Funny you said that. I go through the American Express bill every month and there is a Porsche lease on there, a Ferrari lease. Bob, what are you doing down there in Florida? <laughs> you know, I'll never be in a Ferrari. I can tell you that much. Well, look, I think the bottom line here is this. This market's probably going to go higher. We said this back in late August, early September, when every strategist said, hey, we're going to get a correction. We didn't get it. Markets are clearly melting up here. And you have those more speculative assets like Bitcoin, almost at 70,000 as we're recording this. If you learn anything from the late 90s is things can go up even further from here. But eventually, a lot of these bubbles are going to burst. That's why you want to prepare your portfolio now. Don't wait. That's why you got to be in the more cyclical areas of the economy. The economy's recovering, right? The cyclical areas of the economy are going to do better. They tend to perform better over time. Anyway, now they're cheaper compared to the rest of the market, probably the cheapest they've been in 50 years. And then you look at the rest of the world. You know, the rest of the world's not sitting on their hands waiting for this COVID virus to go away. Those economies are improving and they're 30% cheaper than the US market. So there's plenty of opportunity for new money to be invested. Just be careful you're not chasing that siren song of the disruptive technologies in crypto, it's going to end. It's going to end badly. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 60, Pain Points of Wealth. Thank you for your support. We just crushed it last month. More downloads than ever of our podcast. If you like our podcast, love our podcast, please feel free to send it to a friend. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you want us to address, what financial issues you want us to talk about. If you're watching this on YouTube, click the like button. You can subscribe, click that notification bell so you can be updated every week as our new podcast comes out. Thanks for the support. We'll keep it going if you give us the support. So please give us that like, subscribe. All right, gentlemen, it's the tipping point where we pinpoint the pain point having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And guys, one thing that we've learned at our firm, Pain Capital Management, we manage over a thousand different families. We manage over a billion dollars. And what we found is a lot of times that you put yourself in a position of financial sabotage. You make decisions that really hurt you with your path of financial independence. So then we could talk about some of the things that we find that you do that you need to avoid so you don't sabotage your financial life. You know, Ryan, investing is hard. It's counterintuitive. You know, when there's good news, sometimes the market sells off. When there's bad news, the market goes up. It doesn't seem to make sense. And if you're watching every day, if you're tuning in, you're checking your portfolio balance every day, it's a recipe for disaster. Uh, I can't tell you how many short-term focused investors have failed in the long run because they couldn't handle the pressure. You know, I had a client of mine I was talking to the other day, and she's been talking to some of her friends, and they suggested that she sell everything in her portfolio and buy gold. And we went through performance of her portfolio, and I showed her that the majority of her returns came from interest and dividends. And then I showed her what gold returns an interest in dividends, which is zero. And I said to her, do you still want to buy gold? So Chris, you're saying 0.00 is not a good return? Yes. That was also Brian's grade point average in college, Dad. I worked hard at partying in college. Don't ever forget that. No, but I, you know, this is a good point because I was working with a new client who is watching their performance every quarter and they notice some of their investments are down. And I'm thinking to myself, like, first off, and I'm going to steal one of your lines, Chris, it's like, hey, I'm building you a Volvo here, and all of a sudden you want a Ferrari. <laughs> like, look, when you're building your portfolio for financial independence, you're building it for the next 20, 30, 40 years. It's insane to start looking quarter to quarter to make assessments about how you're investing your money. Like, one of the investments that were down happened to be bonds. And I said, well, I don't care if bonds are down for a quarter. I care of the next 20 years, all the income these bonds are going to generate and compound. 
So I think it is a huge mistake that investors make, especially right now, because so many hot asset classes are going up. It's like you're trying to win the battle when really we want to win the war. Just a total no-no. You've got to get past that short-term focus. It's crazy. That's like owning a sweater and you don't like particular threads in the sweater. Then after a while, you start picking it apart. You don't have a sweater anymore. Poetic. Another part of this, and again, it's emotional, is if you allow your risk tolerance to fluctuate with how well your portfolio performs. You know, it's amazing how a lot of investors that I talk to now have become less risk averse because the market's been going up. So it's almost as if, well, you know, when the opportunity is the greatest is when your risk aversion is the highest. And when the opportunity is the least is when you become less risk averse. So there's no surprise when you look at the statistics where most investors buy more at the highs and buy less at the lows. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens. Your strategy that you've been adhering to, you just totally abandoned ship, right? And it goes both ways. In the pandemic and the market sold off, whether it was the tech bubble when that burst or the housing crisis. Bob, you talked about this on last week's show. How many people sold out of the market in 08 thinking they were being really smart and they never got back in and then just missed a whole decade worth of returns, right? But now you have the other problem. Now you have the problem of being tempted to get rid of maybe the assets that aren't performing in your portfolio, like international right now, right? It's really underperformed here but probably is the best value. But it's so tempting to say, I want to sell that and buy some crypto or buy some growth stocks. And we've learned over time, eventually it's going to bite you and then you know what. Yeah, because the whole idea is of diversification is you're going to have something that's not working. If everything's working at the same time, then everything's not going to work at the same time. So you know, it's like an all-in or all-out portfolio, which would drive you crazy. So you want to have that diversification. You want to be happy when something's not working because it gives you an opportunity to buy more. You know, I always say, guys, wealth creation isn't about relative performance. It's about having the most shares of something before it goes up. Because when it goes up, then you get that exponential increase in wealth. So it's not just the dividends and interest, Chris, you've been generating for your clients, but the number of shares you're able to buy, and you get more shares when the price is low. And the cruel part about investing is some things take a long time, right? I mean, we put commodity exposure in our portfolios over a decade ago. Literally, we had an investment in our portfolio that did nothing for 10 years. That's a long time. But literally overnight, we had a pandemic. Governments around the world printed trillions of dollars, which we couldn't have predicted ahead of time, by the way. And all of a sudden, literally within a year and a half, commodities went straight through the roof. They're the best performing asset class this year. And it's not because we were chasing return, because we followed a discipline for a very long time. Good investing is boring. You know, Ryan, as a matter of fact, I actually talked to one of our clients this week and he said to me, he said, you know, I got to hand it to you and Ryan. He's like, I don't admit when you guys are right, but you are absolutely right with the commodities. He's like, I'm never going to question you again. I said, okay, we're going to get that in writing. But we weren't right, right? It wasn't about being right. And I think that's what a good investment strategy is. It's about owning everything because everything's going to work in its time. You know, trying to be right is the worst strategy. And anyone who's going to try to pin that on you or you're trying to pin it on yourself as you build your portfolio, you're going to get hurt. Eventually, you're going to get hurt. And that's why investing is a discipline. It's not, I can predict the future. Well, you know, it happens in every cycle. Greed takes over fear. And you have a lot of newbie investors who are making a killing trading stocks on Robinhood, investing in crypto. And of course, now the articles are coming out. Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger are no longer good investors, right? They haven't bought anything in months. They're only the two wealthiest investors in history. And I saw the same thing happen in 99, you know, when they weren't buying the latest dot-com stocks. They were just saying, hey, these guys have lost it. They may have been good. They're no good anymore. And now they're making fun of them again because they're still the wealthiest investors ever. 
but you know they're not investing in crypto or not investing in NFTs or some of these things I don't understand. They're just wealthy and they're investing in good old stocks and bonds. Charlie Munger is like in his mid to late 90s now and he called Bitcoin rat poison. I think he's going to be right. <laughs> so we'll shall see. Good investors actually get smarter over time. Like I will say the one thing we've learned through all these cycles is, is we're getting better at this, not worse at this. It's not like, oh, they've been invested too long. They don't know what's going on anymore. It's the exact opposite. We've seen these cycles over and over again. Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett have seen every cycle like a couple times over again. Well, the key is it's, you want to have a portfolio that just it generates total return, you know, both income and appreciation, because you got to complement those passive income streams like Social Security, for example. And if you make the wrong decision on when to take Social Security, it can be hundreds of thousands of dollars that you leave on the table. Yeah, like a really good example of that, guys. I have a client of mine, both taking Social Security, and they didn't realize that the spouse could take half of the other spouse's benefit. So she'd filed on her own benefit, and she's getting a lot less as a result of that. So basically, as to your point, Dad, that's a couple thousand dollars every year that they're missing out on benefit that they're entitled to. Well, yeah, and that's it. It's about income, right? I mean, if you're building a financial independence plan, it's about living off of your portfolio as opposed to working. So, right, all these decisions about Social Security, and when you build your portfolio, is you have to think about how do I generate income? And income is so much more consistent than if the market's going to be up in any given year, down in any given year. We're in a great bull market right now. But man, oh man, let me tell you, when we go through those bear markets, when the market sells off so dramatically, like the world's going to end, like you've got to make sure you've got the right strategy in place through thick and thin. And that's why focusing on income, what you're going to need when you want to be financially independent is probably where you need to start and build everything around that. Everything else is just details. You know, investing's hard enough without sabotaging yourself. And that's why we like to keep it simple, right? We'd like to take complexity and focus more on simplicity. And nothing could be more simple than our A to B process, right? Getting you from point A to point B, your goals, your dreams, with your values, with the least amount of risk and the highest odds of success really comes with being a process-driven investor. So it's process over events. You know, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. Nobody else does, right? The future is unknowable. It's unpredictable. No one can know it. No one can predict it. But you can have a successful journey. You simply follow a process-driven strategy as simple as A to B. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 60, Pain Points of Wealth. Chris, Bob, and I now have a collective 75 years helping individuals just like you with your planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day at our firm, Pain Capital Management. Everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially at literally any stage of your journey. But if you want a more hands-on approach and you've saved over $750,000 for your retirement, Bob, Chris, and I will put together our famous Total Financial Master Plan where we do a full holistic review up front of everything that you own. We'll literally look at all your investments, the fees you're paying, taxes. We'll look at doing a full tax optimization plan for you. We'll do a full income plan figure out when you can live off your portfolio, a savings plan to make sure that you're saving enough and making sure that you're fully on track for your plan to financial independence. Go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a complimentary financial review. That's www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. All right, it's the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. Bob, cryptocurrency and asset class, if we want to call it that, younger than the iPhone, is closing in on $3 trillion in market cap. 
equal to about a quarter of the world's mined gold or the entire money supply of the United Kingdom. That's insane. Yeah, right. That is mind blowing. I mean, $3 trillion in cryptos and they keep creating new ones. I can't even keep up with them. They even have one called Mana now they're going to use in the metaverse. We'll have a long discussion about that on the next podcast. But it's equal to about a quarter of the world's gold supply. Now, Chris, you know, think about it. At least with gold, you know, like Ryan can wear his gold chains, you know, when he's in a Speedo, you know, riding on your sailboat. I mean, you can't wear your crypto. You can't even show it. It's in the ether. I mean, you can't even put it in your wallet. They're going to make a calendar of me just in gold chains on Chris's boat. And yeah, and one of those banana hammocks. Anyway, (laughs) that's not a sight anyone wants to see. Chris, in October of 1999, that was a great year. I was still in college. The market cap of the 199 internet stocks tracked by Morgan Stanley's Mary Meeker was a whopping $450 billion. Now compare that, guys, to $3 trillion today in cryptocurrencies. But the total annual sales of these companies was only $21 billion. But even more remarkable, their profit was negative. They were losing $6 billion collectively a year. I don't know, Ryan. This is really starting to feel like a lot of these SPACs that have come to market this past year. And from what I can tell, most of them don't have any profits and probably, in fact, they're losing money. And eventually, a lot of these went worthless. But you know what? Cryptocurrency could never be worthless. Never. Impossible. Just saying. Right. I think you should take the Pepsi challenge and start to take your compensation in cryptocurrency. (laughs) Actually, the mayor of uh, Miami is doing just that. If it's not a sign of the times, I don't know what is. Hav, the resulting labor crunch has boosted wages and emboldened workers to fight for a better deal. Work stoppages in 2021 have already surpassed last year's 10 and it may be the start of a trend reversal. Work stoppages numbered 145 in 1981, dropping to five in 2009. Looks like unions could be back, Bob. Yeah, it does, Ryan. Matter of fact, you know, you think about it, when you have this type of demand for labor and the supply is down, you know, it does empower labor. And it's good because we have income inequality. We have income inequality because we're in a big booming bull market. If you own assets, the value of your net worth goes up. But it's good to see wages going up. I know it's going to be inflationary. I don't think it's going to be hyperinflationary like we had in the 70s and 80s, but we're going to have a little more inflation than we're used to. Hey, Fed's been begging the market to get up to 2% inflation for what, 20 years? So maybe they finally have gotten there, but it's indicative of a big booming economy. And as a result, we're in a big booming bull market. All right. You heard it here first. Bob Payne, bullish on the economy and the stock market. Another great show. If you like our content, love our content, please subscribe, click the like button, click that notification bell, give us that five-star rating on iTunes. Have a great week. Stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Ryan, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Oh,